Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to Seek Your Summit. As a mom, a business owner, and the first female to climb the seven second summits, I realize that the mountains we climb are a part of our success. And it is up to us to go beyond that success into a life of significance. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others who have led a life of both success and significance, and now they are paying it forward. Today on the podcast, we have Chelsea Kane. She was introduced to me from my dear friend, Allison. So Allison, thank you very much. Chelsea takes us on her journey of self-discovery. She has the job. She's hustling in New York. She gets this little itch to try something new. It takes her all over the globe. She joins yoga teacher training, does some Joe Dispenza, gets into silence retreats and all the things. So listen in, be entertained, and be sure to subscribe. All right, friends, today I have Chelsea Kane on the podcast. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jen. I'm excited to be here. No, I am. It's super fun to have you here. Um, we have a mutual friend, which is how we met. And she was so enthralled with your journey. She was sharing it with me. And then I was enthralled with your journey. So I'm like, we're sharing it with the tribe. So here we are. I love it. The feeling was mutual. Um, I kept hearing about how incredible you are and all of the amazing hikes that you've been on and accomplishments. And so it just, it was such a treat to be able to connect and I'm glad we're doing yes. this. We're explorers in our own way, right? Doing different things to explore the external environment to navigate our internal environment, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So talk to us about younger you and bring us up to. Yes. So I grew up outside of Chicago, went to university in Dallas, and then moved to New York. And the plan was fashion publicist. I am going to work my tail off with 60, 70, 80 hour weeks and climb to the ranks in the fashion world. And I did that for a handful of years and found myself very tired, very burnt out, having regular panic attacks. And at some point, I heard of this program called Remote Year, which gets a group of about 50 people together. And over the course of the year, you travel and live in 12 different cities. So you travel as a group and everyone gets their own remote job. And Remote Year handles all the logistics for you. They get you what? an apartment. I've never heard Remote Year and there's 50 of you that travel around? And, they're and how do you pick programs. which cities? Do you know what city's going into this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when you sign up, you have the full itinerary of here are the 12 cities you'll live in and they launch almost a program a month. So there's always a new group going, but you're with your group of 50 for a year. Wow. So this came into my lap on a bad day at work and I was like, well, I'll just apply. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to go. And then I applied and I was like, well, it seems unlikely that I'll find a remote job. I was in event planning at the time, so that's not remote. And then within two weeks of job hunting, I had a job offer, which never happens. No. And then my program was scheduled to leave the day that my lease was up. What? Did you knew this, and like so I, signing up for it? Like it all lined up? No. Per- it just all lined up perfectly. And I kind of had that moment of like, it feels harder to get off the train than to just ride it and go with this. See, I like that. I think that's a good thing to hit. Like when you want to make a pivot, make it harder to not do the pivot than to do the pivot. Yep. 
Okay. And there's a million voices in my head being like, this is insane. Why would I leave a good job? And like, I have all my friends here and I have no idea what I'm going to find in Bulgaria and why I would want to go there. And just something about me was like, let's try. Let's give it a shot. So the first stop was Bulgaria? No, Bulgaria, I think was number five. Okay. Who was number one? Split Croatia. So was it other countries or just other cities? All different countries. We were in... Okay. Yeah. We were in 10 countries. So we did two months in Argentina in different cities and two months in Colombia in different cities. Okay. But it was half Europe and then half South and Central America. Wow. What was your favorite place? Well, Mexico City, which is where I live now. Yeah. So you got like Mexico. (laughs) Where was Mexico City in the lineup? Last. Did a lot of others stay? Um, so I didn't stay directly through. My planning brain was like, this is gonna be a year. I'll do one year of travel, then I'll go back to being a real adult with a real job at a desk. And it's pre-COVID, so remote work was a weird thing at that point in time. Yeah. And as I was, as the year was coming to an end, I was like, I, while I've got this time and this flexibility and this job, let's plan like one more big trip, right? Okay. South Africa was on my list. I really wanted to spend time in Cape Town. I really wanted to do a safari. And that is a hard trip to do if you have a full-time job with two weeks of vacation. A hundred percent. I just went to South Africa in March. Oh, how did you like it? Oh, I, I came back. And I tried to sell the rest of my children on the location. I'm like, you guys, just one year. Let's just go one year to South Africa. I'm telling you, it'll be the coolest thing ever. And I couldn't convince my like high schoolers because, you know, high school, this is what matters, right? It's their (gasps) friends. And I'm so- High school would be so fun in Cape Town. I I don't know know, if that's true. I keep telling, I'm like, you guys, we would, you'd have the best time ever. So whatever, it happened. I'll go with you. Okay. We can go spend the year down there. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I planned Cape Town. I planned a safari. And as I was doing all of this being like, and then I'll go back to New York. I started to realize why, why would I go back when I'm healthier than I've ever been? I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm more financially stable than I've ever been. I can make this a life. And so then for the next two, two and a half years, I essentially did that program, but on my own, I moved to a new city in a new country every single month by myself. And I had friends from my travel program. So I could call up friends and be like, Hey, who wants to come to Lisbon with me? And someone would say yes. Or I'd just go, you know what? I'm going to do a month in Stockholm and we'll see what happens. Was it ever a problem being like English speaking and not being the language? Never. Nope. Nope. Never. And did you- Google Translate is wonderful. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. Did you ever go to a country where you're like, okay, I'm not coming back to this one ever? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to think of where, but I had a gut yes to that. You had a gut yes. Like your body was like, yes, we are not going back to certain countries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you just, you get to certain places and you really connect with some. Yeah. And so when you don't have that like deep heart connection and something's just like, good, it was nice. It's hard to prioritize going back to that over something that you loved and were obsessed with. Right. Favorite place for food? <sighs> Lima in Lima. Peru. You want to know what's crazy about Lima? I just learned this the other day. So I read the book, Unreasonable Hospitality. I absolutely love it. Anybody who's been listening to me lately know I preach it all the time. And it was about this guy who turned his restaurant, there's top 50 restaurants in the world. 
And I want, you know, it's an honor to be a top 50 restaurant in the world. So this guy was, his restaurant was 50th and his goal was to be number one. And so the book takes you over this story of how they got to number one. And you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Well, I just saw not too long ago where they released the top 50 restaurants in the world again. Like three of them are in Lima, Peru. Yeah. I mean, it's there crazy. There were three in Lima when I was there and I went to all three. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. I'm like, okay, well now Peru is on my list because of that. Yeah. And there's very good hiking in Peru too. There is. Did you get to do the Rainbow Mountains? I did not. I want to do those so not. bad. But they said, even when you get there, you have so much more travel to even go to where they are. Yeah. yeah. That's how a lot of Peru was. Like, if you want to do Machu Picchu, it's not just you get to Lima and you're here. It's like you then are going to Cusco, getting used to altitude, and then it's a whole trek it's situation. Whole thing. Yeah. 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 But it's a magical place. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. So as a U.S. citizen, how long can you stay in Mexico City without issues as a remote worker? So you can stay for six months, up to six months. Okay. They're giving you visas on arrival, tourist visas. So you're not legally allowed to work in Mexico and earn pesos, but yep. you can do your remote job. All of your banking stays in the, in US. the U.S. Yep. Um, since I have been here now for almost four years, I've gotten residency. Oh, wow. So I have a residency card. I can come and go as I please. And basically, I wanted to be by the book and follow the rules and my worst nightmare was showing up at the border and having them be like, you keep coming here. No. Yeah. And if they turn me away, I have an apartment. I have an office. I have a life here. I've got friends. I have things to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you did so it I all have... by the books and still got a residency. And does that affect taxes in the U.S.? No, because you still file a return there. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yep. And there's a wonderful thing called the foreign earned income exclusion. Right. Like your first 100000 you don't have to pay taxes on, right? It, not exactly, but it it is a certainly helpful cut. Yes. Um, yes. I've got a very good friend who specializes in digital nomad taxes. So if you are a full-time traveler, she's like the go-to tax person for that. She answers all of the questions about how to make this work, how to do things legally, and what the different exclusions are that you might be able to apply for. And, and she has made it so much easier to navigate a world that I don't personally understand very well. Yeah. Right. The joy of mentors is like, you do yeah. your thing, I'll do my thing. And together we're happier. Yes. Yes, exactly. So that's my plug for nomad tax. If anyone is a digital nomad and needs an accountant. <laughs> All right. I love it. That's awesome. Well, let her know. Pitch yeah. her product. Um, okay. So what, how are you earning an income in Mexico city? Yes. So I'm not legally allowed to be working here because yep. I am on a non-lucrative residency visa. So all of my business is run through the United States. And I had been doing like PR as a consultant. I was doing marketing for a tech company full-time for a year and a half. And then at the beginning of this year, I just decided that it was time for a change again. And so I left my job to go take yoga teacher training. Oh, yes. In Guatemala, of all places. Yes. Okay. Now, yes. why Guatemala to do this? I have no idea. Okay. It was one of those things where a friend of mine that I knew peripherally posted on her Instagram story, hey, I'm doing teacher training here. And my entire body just went that. Whole body, yes. That, I believe in yeah, those whole body, body yeses. Yes. I knew nothing about it. I knew no idea 
like I had no idea what it was, but teacher training had been on my mind. I had been practicing yoga every single day, 90 minutes a day for a year. What type of yoga were you practicing at 90 minutes? Vinyasa. Vinyasa. Okay. Yep. And so I knew that teacher training was like on my radar coming up and I saw this program and I was like, this is it. This is my, this is my thing. So quit the job, went to Guatemala, did yoga teacher training with a company called Kula Collective. They do them in Guatemala, in Tennessee, in Bali, uh, maybe Costa Rica, like a few different places all over the world. And decided I was just going to figure it out from there. (laughs) So I got back to Mexico City and actually was thrilled not to have a job lined up because a month intensive of teacher training is not just learning about yoga and the postures and your alignment cues. There's so much philosophy. Um, What Kula does really well is they integrate a lot of ceremonies. There were a lot of different things. It almost felt like a month of intensive personal development work at the same time as you're learning all of these yoga skills. Yeah, well, that's- So to come back and have time to decompress, mm-hmm. to integrate, to process was the most beautiful gift I could have given myself. I love it. I love how the universe like really has our back. I mean, we have plans, 100%. we put things in motion, and then there's so much that goes on that we could never anticipate, plan, or perceive. And then yet, like all of a sudden you're there and I'm like, well, thank goodness it happened that way. I have no clue who was helping behind the scenes, but I appreciate you. So thank you. I could not agree more. I feel like the logical should is like, I should have had a job lined up or I should have figured something out. And I'm like, wow, am I happy that I did not come out of that training to a thousand Slack messages and a to-do list a mile high. And instead I could just spend some time sitting with myself. How often in our adult lives do we have the opportunity to do that, to really just take a step back, sit down and be with ourselves? Right. No, it's interesting because I got done with this world record on June 1st and everybody's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? I'm like, actually, the lesson is, is what is right now. Like we're always chasing the next thing. Right now I'm learning how to appreciate the moments that I'm having without having a pursuit in front of me. And I think that's the lesson that I'm living and also demonstrating to others that we do not always have to be on and seeking and doing. Yes, a hundred percent. There's so much value in the right now because right now is the only moment that actually exists. We can guess what our future is going to be. We can attempt to control it, but in doing that, we're grasping and we're fighting and we're manipulating and we're trying to make things happen when in reality, the more time you can spend in exactly this moment, being where you are, doing what you are doing and doing it with full attention and presence, you're building out a future that's probably better than you possibly could have guessed. Yeah. Go ahead, guess if you want to, right. but you have no idea if that's how it's going to turn out. Spend your time here, be here now, and your future will unfold better than you could have planned in my opinion. <laughs> oh, I agree. Anytime I planned, I'm always like, wow, I'm so glad that so much more came out of this than what I ever thought was going to be. So thank you again for making more possible why I just showed up. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's always so much more than we could have ever imagined. And, and in being present, we're then open to it. Right. 
Okay, so you came back from the yoga teacher training. You had a month to integrate. And then is that when you ran into Joe? Yep. Okay. So talk about that. Yes. Yes. So I then after a month of integration went on a meditation retreat with Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you are not familiar with him, he is wonderful. Um, he basically teaches meditation and mindfulness or and manifestation with a scientific background. So he really looks into what is happening in your brain when you meditate, what is happening in your body, and how can you tap into your internal power to create the life of your dreams, to create a future that you want. And it's not this future of like, oh, I want a sports car, so I'm going to manifest a sports car in the driveway. But it's really focusing on what are those internal states that you want to create and how can you draw that to you. And he uses the quantum field and examples from quantum physics as his way of showing you how this is actually possible. So I went on a week-long retreat with him, an advanced retreat with him. And wow. Yeah, right, right. That's about um, all you could say in those kinds of things. You come back, you're like, wow. Like, wow. So appropriate. Yeah. It was 1,800 people. 1,800? It was that big. Where was it hosted? My teacher in Cancun at a resort. He had rented out two entire resorts. Okay. And we had a giant ballroom there. And this is in comparison to teacher training where we were a class of eight. Oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> but there's something so unbelievably powerful about meditating in a room with 1,800 oh, other people. thousand percent. Like it's so much You're, easier, right? You have like the, like the minute you start to fall out, you have the energy of everybody around you to keep you in the space. And so yep. meditating in a group is so much easier than meditating by yourself. So much easier. Yes. It's the whole like the flock of birds. Everyone's going in the same direction. And so that just momentum carries you and your momentum adds to that. Yeah. It's a really, really magical experience. And I will admit a challenge I had going into it was I was a little hesitant. I'm like, who are these people? Because there are people who have gone to Joe two times, three times, eight times, 18 times. And I'm like, who are these people yeah. that are going so many times in a row? Like what, what's their deal? Why are they here? I was a little judgmental to be honest. We I was are, a little but we just, don't know. Like the thing that keeps us safe is this is weird. Like, you know, you just start, yes. right. Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. We all employ. You're not guilty 100%. of it any more than any one of us. A hundred percent. It was a defense mechanism of like, I don't know if all these people have their their stuff figured out, but like I've got my stuff figured course, out, which is obviously not true. <laughs> right, right, right. But it feels good, darn it, to at least say it and believe it at some level. So there you go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm having these interactions with people and I'm finding that the people that are coming to me to talk to me are complaining. Okay. Oh my gosh, I failed at meditating today. I'm like, that's not how it works. Okay. Oh my gosh, doesn't your knee hurt from sitting? Okay. Oh my God, I bet the bathroom line is so long after this meditation. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of weird energy coming at me. And I had one girlfriend who was there as well. And on day three, I was like, hey, Rachel, are you finding that a lot of people are complaining? Like a lot of people are like dumping their stuff on you. She looks at me so earnestly and goes, no. Ooh. Ooh, it, I'm 
interested to see what you're learning here. It hit me upside the head of what am I putting out there that I'm attracting the complainers? Right. Why are you the space safe space for them to unload? Yes. Why it like, and I realized it's because I was coming in with judgment of like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know if I relate to them. I don't know if it's my type of people. Right. And so in that moment, I like sat with myself and I was like, we've got to totally change it because I don't want the rest of this week to go the same way the first half did. Yeah. And so I made a commitment to myself that every single interaction from here on out was going to be the perfect interaction for that week. And then it was. And it was the strangest thing of like, I would ask a question in my head and be like, wow, I really should look up the answer to this question after I get home from this retreat. And out of the blue, someone would walk up to me and be like, hey, so I was thinking about this question and here's the answer to it. And I'm like, how? How did you just read my brain? I don't know you. And yet you've answered a question that I had that I didn't know how I was going to find the answer to. And it happened over and over and over again. The next people who walked up to me had a suggestion of something I could do to, they're like, oh, when I meditate, I do this. And that small tweak that wasn't a, I know better than you and I'm going to direct you in your meditation, but like, this is what works for me. They were mind-blowing tips that really made an impact and they always hit at the exact moment that I needed them to. And so I walked out of that retreat just going, we have so much more control over the energy that we're putting out, the people that we're attracting, and the interactions that we experience every single day. And when you realize that, you get to make a choice. Am I content attracting complainers? In which case, please continue judging. Or do I want more? Do I want people who are solving my problems that they didn't even know I had? And I'm likewise helping them, right? They're opening a perspective for me. I'm offering something for them. And it's this beautiful relationship that's forming in these tiny interactions, like little things like, I was like, wow, I really hope I can find a group of Joe Dispenza followers who live in Mexico City that meditate together so that I can keep this alive. And the next interaction, I complimented a girl's hair in the bathroom. She lives in Mexico City and she has a group chat of other people who live here. I'm like, you, how do you make this up? Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's so funny, like how we're drawn to certain people and certain things too. I was just at a conference and I was answer. it was a Q&A session that I was doing. And then in the bathroom, I'm like, ran into a girl. I'm like, she's my girl. Like, I, I don't know why, but there's something cool about this girl. And so we start chatting briefly. I go to the bathroom, whatever. We meet at the dinner later on. And it was just, it was so, like, there's just people you're drawn to and you connect with. And yes. we were able to help each other on something that I don't, I didn't even know why I was, yeah, you don't even need to know the why. You just know like, okay, I have to trust that because there's something that's pulling me towards you, we're going to talk. That's exactly what it is. It's letting go of that sense of control, like literally what we were talking about. There's no expectation of, I'm going to get this thing from that girl. Right. And instead, I am open to this being the perfect interaction for this moment. And I don't know what that means, but I'm about to find out. (laughs) 
I know. And there was, yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting thing to, to keep that alive and try to continuously remind myself of that going forwards. And especially the times that you don't want to, I'm like in a hurry. I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to do something. And someone's like coming up to have a conversation. I'm like, Oh my God, not now, please not now. And then my brain is like perfect interaction at the perfect moment. Like this is, there's something in this and who knows what it is, tiny or big or whatever. But somehow if you wait and you are patient and you have faith that there's like something coming here, you will help them. They will help you. There will be some information or energy or exchange. And it's really, really cool to watch that unfold. It feels like an experiment. Yeah. No, it's like the joy of staying curious about all things. So. Yeah. Okay. So you go yes. to this, the, the Joe Dispenza thing. It's a total wow experience. Like Paradigm we said shift. before. What happens yep. after that? <laughs> we integrate. Yes. Again, we learn, we integrate, we learn, we integrate. Um, and then I decide to go the exact opposite. Joe Dispenza's meditations are all guided. Yep. He has a loud, booming voice that yeah. is all encompassing. And then I go into 10 days of silence. Yes. A 10 day silent meditation retreat. It's not Vipassana. Um, it's at a place called, I did mine at a place called Ridaya in Mazunte, Mexico. They've got a location in France also, but it was 10 days in complete silence, which also means no reading, no podcasts, no music. Right. No input. No like no contact. input. The only input is coming from inside your head. Yep. This happened. So I was on a climb. And I didn't speak the language, right? Everybody was speaking Nepalese. And I was sitting at a spot and I was just watching everything that was going on. And then I caught my brain writing a whole bunch of stories. Like that person looked at me the wrong way and they're thinking this and they're doing that or whatever else like that. And I'm like, what am I even doing? No one has said a word to me. They don't give a flying rat that I'm sitting over there. Why am I making this all about me? And not only am I making it all about me, I'm making it all about me in like the most negative way possible. It's fascinating, yep. right? Yes. Yes. Our brains do that. They make everything about us up. And it was like at the end of 10 days of silence, we were invited to share if we wanted to when they broke silence and multiple people apologized for things. They're like, I'm so sorry that I have the squeakiest water bottle or like, I'm so sorry that I was sweating or like, and it's one of those things where you're like, I never noticed you. I never noticed you. And it makes me wonder how much time did you spend in those last 10 days worried that the rest of the room was paying attention to you sweating? Right. Beautiful reminder. No one cares. No one cares. Like no one cares. And no one cares. if they do care, they, that's just them avoiding their own stuff. It's not that, yes. right? It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their avoidance technique. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was just, I mean, it was such a powerful experience. And I found myself spending a lot of time feeling really, really grateful. I'm so grateful for all of the experiences that came before this, not only this year of learning and how all of this has worked out, but like, my entire life and how every mistake or failure or weird thing that I did or thing that I said that was uncomfortable, like every single thing has led me to this point. And every single time I've granted myself grace and I've forgiven myself for those mistakes, it's trained me to be kind to myself so that when I'm sitting in 10 days of silence, I'm kind to myself. 
And when my mind starts thinking and we're not supposed to be following the thoughts, my thought was, okay, I just indulged in thinking. Now I'm going to indulge in meditation. And I just would bring it back. And I know without fail that me two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, would have been like, you're an idiot. Why can't you just shut your mind off? Make it stop. If you were good at this, you'd be able to turn your mind off. You're just not good at it. What else aren't you good at? And it would have spiraled and it would have been 10 days of me yelling at myself. Right, right. And so this was just such a beautiful mirror of all of the work that I've done and how everything lined up in perfect order, right? They explained a lot of... So we did have... um lectures during silence. Thank goodness. We had one main teacher who would explain different concepts around meditation so that when we were not meditating, but thinking, we had things that we could think of and things that could help us frame our thought patterns. Did you do breath work at all in your silence retreat? Not a lot of it, Okay, but I had done breath work before. Okay. Like I had done an intro to breath work course for, I don't know, four days or something a few weeks before. That was another thing that I was like, I'm so thankful that I have this in my tool belt, that I can come back to these different breathing techniques when I'm off following the movie of my thoughts. I can breathe for a few minutes and then get myself back. There are things, there were different yogic concepts that he would mention kind of in passing as he was explaining the philosophy that I understood because I went to teacher training. Mm-hmm. There were different things about the science of meditating that he would explain in passing that I understood because I went to Joe. Right. And so I noticed that every single thing was lining up in a way that I felt the best prepared I could have been for that experience. Yeah. And I felt that way in yoga teacher training, that my year of practicing yoga had set me up for it. I felt that way in Joe, that teacher training had set me up. I felt that way in breath work, that teacher training in Joe had set me up. I felt that way in silence, that all of it had lined up. And it was just a really, I don't know, I just felt really, really thankful. I felt really appreciative that everything lined up in the exact order that it was meant to line up for me. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Silence <laughs> is such a thing. You learn so much in silence. It's probably one of my favorite things to practice because it's just fascinating. Like we're so creative. We're so creative. I mean, at the end of the day, it's amazing what you can create. You must spend a lot of time in silence on your hikes, yeah, no? Yeah. Right. I think it's one of the things that drew me to it is just the rhythm and the meditation and the environment and just you're in such acceptance, right? Like it's just walking in acceptance and like, this is it. Like this is life. This is, this is living. This is, yeah. It's just so nice to not have everything darting at you and then realize even when things aren't darting at you, how much your body tries to distract you as well. And like learning how to become undistracted and just being into these like moments and you can dilate time when you can get into the silence. And then all of a sudden you just have so much more, like you don't need to have control, but you have control, right? Like if something feels overwhelming, you're like, okay, I know what to do to slow this mm-hmm. down or to spread it out or to have it not be as overwhelming in the second. So yes. I don't know. I think it's such a superpower. It's like, you've got more trust in yourself in those moments yeah. too. Definitely. That you can push through when it gets challenging and you can push through whether it's a hike or whether it's like your day is just overwhelming. Like whatever 
obstacle it is you're facing. I feel like the more you can tap into that silence, that stillness, that presence, the more you're like, okay, I got this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So now you have all this wealth of knowledge and most of us that come back from the hero's journey, like our next step is we're so excited about our transformation and the things that we've learned that we want to share it with others, which is exactly what you're doing. So share with us like how we can connect with you and work with you and learn things that you've learned in ways that you can only teach us. Yes. So there's a few different things. I honestly, it it's all come about kind of organically, which I think is the best way for these things to happen. But um, in conversations with friends where they would explain what they're going through or share a struggle that they're having or a communication issue, you know, from this place where I am so much calmer <laughs> than I have been in the past, I've I've offered perspectives and questions and frameworks to think through the problems that they're facing in a way that has led to just light bulb breakthrough moments. And over and over and over again, the response was, you need to be doing this for other people. You need to be doing this on a bigger basis. Other people need to be able to get this perspective shift. And so that is what I'm doing. I'm taking a small amount of one-on-one, I'm calling it mindfulness guidance clients. And so we just talk about what's going on in your life. What are the problems that you're facing? Are you getting dragged down these thought spirals that you cannot stop? Let's work on that. Are you feeling anxious in your day? Are you feeling like you don't have control over things? Are you finding problems in your relationships? Like, what is it? Is your job stressing you out a ton? Are you just always feeling stressed? Like, what is it that you're facing? And we'll come up with a plan together to work through that, to help you get the tools in your tool belt that you need, ultimately to come back to this moment of presence. Because when you can be present, your brain waves slow down and then you can solve your problems. Yep. The energy that created your problem is not the same energy that's going to solve your problem. So what we need to do is we need to figure out a way to manage your energy, to get you back to a place of neutral, of homeostasis, of rest and digest and repair and feeling safe in yourself. And then we can tackle these problems and, and help you realize that you have the power within yourself to overcome them. And so let me just give you some tools to do that. For the people who aren't ready to go into a one-on-one kind of guidance session, Mm -hmm. I'm starting with monthly calls that people can pay a very small amount, join the call, and whoever has something on their mind, on their heart that they want to share, ask a question. Tell me what's going on and we'll work through it. And I'll get through as many questions as I can get through during this call, but it's an invitation. If you don't think you're ready to sign up for something bigger, you just want to get to know me a little bit better. Even if you don't have a question, you don't have a problem, you just want to come listen and like absorb the energy of, of what other people are learning and what they're going through. It's a great way to connect. Mm -hmm. So that's another one. And then the last thing that I will talk about, there are more things, but the last one I will mention, is called first cup morning series. And First Cup Morning Series is a six-minute daily audio subscription that you're supposed to listen to first thing in the morning. 
And it starts with a breathing exercise or a stretch or something to kind of wake you up a little bit, a quote or a piece of wisdom from an industry expert, and then a question or a reminder to take it into your day. And the whole thing is if you cannot, air quotes, meditate, you do not have a meditation practice, but you want to start your day for yourself, it's six minutes of guided audio. You have something to follow along with. You have something to pay attention to, but it still lets you start your day in an intentional manner. So you're not starting with your emails and your text messages and your phone and your Instagram and all of these external things coming at you. You're starting by like taking a deep breath. You're starting by thinking about what are some things that could make your day a little bit easier? What are some mindset shifts that can bring a little bit more calm into your day? And by starting with six minutes, such a small amount of time, you're really setting yourself up for success for the entire rest of your day. It is. It's amazing what that morning start can do for the whole day. A thousand percent. Yep. It's that same idea of like, when you get up, you should make your bed so that you've started the day with a win. Yep. But bigger, because throughout the rest of the day, you're not going to think about, wow, I'm glad I made my bed like six different times. But you are going to think about, ooh, you know what? I am feeling a little stressed. Maybe I bring back that breathing technique. Ooh, you know what? This did hit me wrong. Could I look at it through a different lens? Or, you know, you're going to remember those quotes, remember those questions. And so you'll start to see the more that you listen the more you see it coming up in your life and you realize that it's not just a six minute practice. It only takes six minutes of your time, but it's a practice that stretches through your entire day. I love it. Ah, this is so good. It was so good. I'm yes. so grateful for you today and sharing all these little wisdom bits and having the courage to take the journey that you did and allow us to share in all the fruits of your labor. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. And thank you for inviting me to come speak with you today. I hope this was helpful. If your audience resonates, then come check out my website and, and see if any of these things speak to you. But yeah, yeah. Give us really your website so the audience can check you out and be sure you yes. say hi and introduce yourselves. And all of us love to build community. So this is how it's done. Yes. So the website is my name, Chelsea Kane dot podia, P-O-D-I-A dot com. You can also say hi on Instagram. I'm at Chelsea Kane 11. Woohoo. All right. Thank you, Chelsea. Have a great day. Thanks, Jen. I really appreciate you.